Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Patriots fans, Foxborough friends, we welcome you to the latest and as always greatest edition of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast, a presentation of WEEI odyssey and 2400 sports we got the triumphant trio the band of misfits that's right we've got the troll patrol the fraud squad and the dvoa holes in the house for the bye week rundown the bye week could not have arrived at a better time for your new england patriots because there's work to do all over the ball on both sides but especially on offense as bill belichick said today at his media availability the players have the day off. The coaches were in the building. Quote, we've got some work to do. Hi, everybody. Your old pal Nick Fitzy Stevens here with Andy Hart and primetime himself, Chris Scheim. And gentlemen, I think, uh, as I said, the bye couldn't have arrived at a better time for two reasons. Number one, there are a lot of people on this roster that have been injured and banged up on both sides, particularly in the trenches. This will give them time to heal up, finish healing up, rest up, and get ready for one hell of a second half of the season with those four primetime games in a row that is going to be an absolute backyard grizzly. And then we've also got the work that Bill Belichick and the coaching staff needs to do. And this is where we begin fixing a broken offense and a quarterback that I think we all agree can look a little lost at times is not getting it done. The Patriots in the lower third of the NFL and just about every offensive statistical, save for anything associated to Ramondre Stevenson, who is having a dynamite year. I know it's tried. It's true. If not even a little overcovered fellas, but we got to get back to the Mac blabber, if you will, the <laughs> Mac Jones opinion war that rages on in Patriots nation. We've had a chance to take a look at your all 22s, the all 22 crew as MFM calls them on WEI. We've seen a little snippets and breakdowns. We've seen who was open and who wasn't, where he should have gone and what he decided to do. Belichick is saying that he's making good decisions. Shime got called out and completely just thrown under a moving bus on the highway by Greg Hill the other day to Patriots coach Bill Belichick on this same front. So I applaud you for having the stones to survive that and stick to your conviction, Shime. I got to tell you, Bill was a little, a lot less dismissive of it than I expected him to be. Like he almost kind of chuckled about it. Like it was like a joke to him. And, and I found it, I, I thought it was great. Like some of the answers he's given Courtney, I have literally like shuddered like, oh, that, that hurts. But like this one to me didn't feel that way. Um, and it was kind of funny the way he said, well, Shime has his opinions. And <laughs> <laughs> and clearly they don't matter to Bill and they should matter Called out by name by Bill Belichick. I mean, that yeah, was, that was it's awesome. But at the same time, like 
the hell's he going to do? He pulled the kid against Chicago. And, and since then, he's been trying to make amends, at least in the media, and, and do nothing but praise the kid and and, and talk well about him. So he's not going to start saying crap about him now. It's not going to change. So, I, you know, regardless of how Belichick, Belichick actually feels about it, he was never going to tell you the truth. Yeah, I think uh, I have my hood on for a reason. This is uh, the bye week. And I, to me, it's all the bye week is completely about Bill Belichick. Like mm-hmm. completely about the hoodie, mm-hmm. fixing what he, in many ways, effed the f up. And like you joke about, he he's commenting on Max' decision making. Who's commenting on Bill's decision making? Remember those decisions we all questioned at the time when he said, "Hey, Matt Patricia, good coach, good coach. You know, Joe Judge, good coach, good coach." Um, we all predicted we'd be here that we'd be midseason questioning what the hell is going on with the offense. The one thing I didn't foresee. I saw the regression, our own Christian Fourier, friend of the Six Rings postgame show, WEEI's <clears throat> own resident tight end who's trying to prove he can still catch the ball better than Wiggy. He and a possible regression. NFL future head coach, depending on if, if Jeff Saturday doesn't pan out with the Colts. Sure, but he said regression, and, and I think that was a talking point in the summer. I yep. didn't know breaking. I didn't know breaking Mac Jones was a possibility, and I believe Mac Jones has been broken over the first course of the season by Bill Belichick and his decisions. Now it's up to Bill Belichick to put Humpty Dumpty back together again and get Mac Jones back to whatever the best case scenario is for the final eight games of this season. Like, I don't even know what that is, whether that's as good as he was a year ago, just better than he's been lately. But Bill, you said we could blame you. And believe me, I'm blaming you for where Mac Jones is right now. You have two months to figure out how to get him back to at least average acceptable NFL quarterback play. Okay. So I want to, I want to read from you a quote from, or a tweet um, uh, from Dan Orlovsky uh, just oh, recently. This, this, well, you say, Oh, this guy, actually, I like his breakdowns. I, I like love his Dan, analysis. but his it, Mac, he feels, he feels it, we, it, you can read the quote, but he feels um, uh, what's smart. The word? No uh, biased on this, on this situation. It Do, feels now, it in feels which like direction, in which direction. In Max, in Max' oh, favor. What is the bias? I don't know. I, I'm just saying it feels Are they related? very. They no, I'm just, like I'm just saying that it like, feels like he has some kind of relationship, whether he sees a lot of himself in Mac Jones or he or the Mac Jones's what? camp he has some association with. He is a I quarterback, so there's yeah. there is definitely a fraternity there. Unless yes. somebody is just going out and doing something just god awful, abysmal, or embarrassing to the sport, the position, etc., then I can imagine the fraternity's job is to kind of like defend your brethren until you figure out what's going on. And he probably feels badly for him. I think there's definite positional um, sympathy going on right now. And so that's why he wrote down, it was about a day ago from when we record this, Monday following the uh, 26 to 3 victory. Uh, that drove, like we mentioned earlier, Frank Reich from his job. Uh, you know, we'll see if the Colts hang a banner at finalist banner field over it. Um, Mac Jones, not a great day. 20 of 30, 143 yards and a touchdown. Patriots win in spite of it, mostly because Sam Ellinger was awful, awful in that game. So bad. So bad. Uh, good luck, Jeff, Saturday. Uh, Orlovsky's quote, uh, if anyone tells you it's Mac Jones's issue in New England, they're out of their freaking minds. This offense has completely regressed this player, and it's awful. Like that's a like, that's a strong take. 
I would first like to address the poor grammatical use of the uh, possessive apostrophe. It is, in fact, Mac Jones's issue because he's a part of the team and it is the team's issue. Therefore, it is possessed to Mac Jones. However, mm-hmm. I do agree in the sense that it's this problem with the Thank offense. Thank you, Strunk is, and White, by the way. <laughs> this problem with the offense is not entirely Mac Jones. As much as I rail on Mac Jones and I say he's bad all the time because I still think he is, I don't think he's all that good. Uh, this problem, not all his, not even close. We're, if we're doing a good old uh, Gresham Keith style blame pie, mm, he's probably okay. getting about 25% of the pie um, in, in my estimation. 25 percent 20, 25 of the pie seemed like that's the kind of slice where you know like if 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 you're in a group of guys watching football if we're hanging out um and you're not sure if everyone's going to get two pieces of pizza and somebody goes right to that box of pizza sees that there's only one buffalo chicken and aggressively takes two or three slices you're like what the hell, Ted, from accounting? Like, don't you realize, like, everyone may want to get a shot at the buffalo chicken. There's only one, and somebody takes a couple slices. That would normally seem aggressive, but I think actually in this particular case, uh, corporate pizza analogy notwithstanding, Shime, I think that's very fair because it does have to fall. Like, he still can find – he can call some audibles, or so we think he is allowed to, but who knows. Um, the play calling has been so bad. How bad's it been, Fitz? It's been so bad recently that uh, players are diagnosing it. And it just has happened two weeks in a row. Both uh, Shaquille Leonard, formerly known as Darius on the Colts this past Sunday, and the previous week, uh, linebacker for the Jets. CJ Mosley. CJ Mosley was also calling out plays before they were snapped, reading formations, gauging tendencies. Like, they're so pedestrian and predictable now. As much as I've tried to defend or at least see the value and benefit of some of Patricia's play calling in-game, at this point now, it is uh, – I want to say it's more than 75%. Who that 75% is, Andy, whether you say – now, Belichick's 25 of that, Judge is 10, Patricia's 40%, whatever, that's fine. 25 to Mac tops, the rest easily Belichick and Patricia. And it, it's bad. Here's the problem. It's falling on everyone else. It's hurting everyone else. The run game, the pass – the tight ends are an afterthought. Kendrick Bourne's lucky that he sees a couple of targets. And Nelson Aguilar, where where's he? And the block and the and the and the blocking schemes are are garbage. And I know the offensive line is hurt, but like it's a friggin' mess. Well, that's why I go back to Belichick because almost everything you mentioned is is touch tied into Bel like bad play calls, especially early in game. Those are scripted. I know we all want to say, what the hell was that Ramondre run for minus two to start? Well, that was scripted, so those are a big part of that. That's during the week. That's game planning. The offensive line. Frequent listeners to the Six Rings podcast know some of us called it a house of cards somewhere around March. It was obvious. Yes, they did. You mm-hmm. chose to move on from Shaq Mason. You chose to take Cole Strange. Like you chose to do certain things. This and that's Belichick. That's you chose to put Matt Patricia as your primary offensive coach. Oh, and by the way, ask him to coach the offensive line, which is a bit of a debacle. Like it all goes back to Bill. Whatever big old chunk of pie you want, like that's three or four slices of buffalo chicken that he took in the offseason. Yeah, it's it's a it, it's a shame enti- entirely. And the Mac defenders have been taking a lot of guff. I've noticed on the air, in print, online as well. And I think people kind of need to take these next two weeks not to say not to begin the Mac Jones appreciation rally, if you will, but to sort of just back off on him and not focus on the quarterback Mac versus Zappy Zappy Hour Mac attack. Just focus on what's legitimately 
uh, uh, like at, at stake here and, and what is, what's messed up. And it's the fact that the thing I've been, that's, I've been bothered by the most. And, uh, I made mention online, Andy, we talked about it for a while Sunday on the post game show, following the Colts game. Why in the world are there so many play co- when you know, Mac Jones is now like he is, he is the spinning beach ball that you get on a Macintosh when the, when there's too many modern, too many tasks being performed and the, the CPU just can't handle everything you're asking it to do. He's like in the fan turns on, like he's thinking too much now. Like they've, they, the whole thing, it's been simplified. We've streamlined the offense. No, you have overcomplicated matters. He's thinking, not playing. He's not seeing the matrix. It's not fluid and simple. The game is not slowing down. It's speeding up for him. And so help me God, if on more of these play calls, when you know he's good in tempo, Shime, he has looked always has looked very good in no huddle and tempo offense. You're not calling enough RPOs. He's sitting back there in a collapsing pocket, otherwise known as Andy Hart's house of cards, waiting for something to open up downfield. You don't have the talent. You don't have the healthy offense, and you don't have the right play calls. What the what are they he's, doing? He's he's stuck in in the way I've kind of uh, tried to explain it is like when he drops back in the pocket, he looks like he's staring into an abyss. It doesn't look like he's looking through progressions and he's looking for his open receivers. It feels like he is staring into an absolute abyss because normally when when someone's moving forward, especially in a sport like within soccer or with a football your vision is tunneled, right? You you have a very small amount of uh, field of vision. As a quarterback, one of the things you need to overcome is widening that vision, having a better spatial awareness and a better sense of the field. And right now, Mac Jones has gone from this, which was pretty good, like to this. And it is mm-hmm. like a horse with blinders on, and he is it, – it's struggling. And again, I, 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 I think – does he deserve some of the blame? Sure. Because there are things that he can do to work on it and get better at it. But at the same time, this is not all on him. The offensive line is creating a chaos issue for him that is closing those blinders down. The play calling is not helping. He, For whatever reason, what he knows how to do does not jive with what they want to call. Or what they want to call just flat out sucks. I can't really tell. It might be a combination of the two. Um, But those two things also go into how badly he's played. And it's just, and, it, and, and again, like I, I rag on Mac every opportunity I can, because I just, I, I, I can't stand people like Greg Hill who just have like give shoot zero evidence at me, but will just like die on a Mac Jones Hill at this point. And, and those people piss me off. And I, that's probably why I go so hard against Mac, but like, this is not all his fault. This offense as a whole, as a unit is just in shambles. I thought you were going to say stinks so badly it smells. I thought you were going to go like vintage throwback shine on that, <laughs> uh, and uh, which I always am here for. And Andy, um, I watched a breakdown earlier. I'm not sure if it was uh, Chatham, Baldinger, Taylor Kyles, whomever, whatever, Lou's favorite person, Taylor Kyles. Um, <laughs> and it was basically this play that developed re- re- with reasonably quick. And he stared down Ramondre the entire time as he like went out oh, like past the line and curled to Max left. Meanwhile, as he just sort of stares him down and the rest of the Colts offense figures out, oh, this is who he's going to throw to. And they shift this way. Like Myers and Bourne both curl right and they're both standing there wide open like, hi, hello, I could like the football now. But Mac was just like, 
I, I, this, I have to do this. Now, I'm not sure if he's being told that or if that's what he wanted to do. Again, which just points to like the mental panic. And I think one of the sharpest things you've said in a while, Andy, was this team has no idea how to call plays for Mac Jones. Yeah, and and I think he answered that question post game when he called it a false reality of the still photos and the the replays. Mm-hmm. He is looking where he is coached to look. His eyes and his progressions begin where they tell him to begin, and by they probably Matt Patricia with a little judge and Belichick sprinkled in. And I think that was him kind of saying, don't blame me. It's these rest of these a-holes that are telling me what to do. <laughs> um, because he's been consistent with that. Like it, it, I go back to, you know, you follow rules or people die. Mac follows rules or the offense. Like he only, he is not an ad libber. Like he didn't come up through high school and college football, just like Correct. winging it. Like I'm an athlete and I'm an, no, no, no. He said it the other day when I asked him, you you take a profit so you don't go broke. I've been told that since Coach Lance told me that. Hit the hit the running back in the flat. Take the five yards on a wing T offense. And he's taken that to Alabama. Like, he's trusted his coaching and what they tell him to do. And I think he's still doing that to some degree. And he's telling you, well, when it doesn't look good, even early in the year, remember when he said change of philosophy, different philosophy with 50-50 balls, giving guys shots down the field. I don't think that's how Mac likes to do it. I don't think that's how Josh McDaniels likes to do it. We talked a little bit about that at that time. Now it's this false reality. Yeah, is there a guy open over there? That may be great, but Matt Patricia told me this play was designed for you to look over here because this guy over here is going to be open. Don't worry about it. And it's not working that way. So again, I feel like I'm becoming this weird Mac Jones apologist when I don't even really love Mac Jones, but the 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 narrative of how much he sucks and certainly the execution sucks right now, but I would go back to our blame pie, like 25. He's not throwing the ball. Well, I'll say that, but I think he is so effing uncomfortable. It like it's crashing down on him. It's exacerbated the issue. Yes. And I would say, was that a combination of exacerbate and disaster? Yeah. He he may have muffled that a little. (laughs) Oh, Um, I got it. No, I actually, I actually like, I like exacerbate. We, we, um, we look at this as like a present issue. This is the Mac I've seen since July 28th or whatever that day was when right. we were talking about high school offenses and he's scrambling and he's tucking the ball and he's uncomfortable. Like he's been doing this for August, September, October. That wears on you and that leaves a mark. He is now a beaten dog. He is broken. I think too, Andy, like you and I had talked about this a lot at the beginning of the season and kind of argued about what they were doing with the play calling to start the season and how you were, you were, I'll use the word adamant in that they were really trying to see if they could get Mac Jones on that level of competing with guys like Josh Allen and stuff with a downfield passing attack. And I've, I've, to your credit, I've started to buy into that a lot more, but I also think that because of that, Uh right, right now you're seeing a, um, like a, a, tr- a downtrend in passing across the league. And that's because a lot of teams, as I mentioned earlier, they're condensing space. They're not giving you big plays. They're not letting you get over the top. They're making you play down. So now this new Patriots offense is a year or two behind the big play offenses. And so now they're trying to get into big plays when defenses have already caught up. And so now all that space is condensed down. And so Mac Jones is now doing something he's uncomfortable doing 
in in, in a scenarios that are extremely difficult to do because defenses are already prepared to stop it now. Like if this would have been good his rookie like last year getting into that big play idea and starting to get him into that then because now th this year would have been okay space is condensed let's do what Mac Jones does best and play in condensed space a and instead they insist on trying to be like a big play offense. When big play offenses aren't existing right now in football, right now in football, you're seeing teams that can run the football effectively and matriculate their way down the fields being teams with success. I mean, look at the Seattle Seahawks. That's what they're building off of right now. It's run the football, don't turn it over. Instead of attacking down the field, even Josh Allen has had to adapt this year. You start from week one. Mm -hmm. It was 20. It was like, you know, 14, 15 play drives instead of these three, four, five shot plays that eventually just get you down the field. And so I, I think it's just this combination of the way the NFL has shifted. Normally Belichick very much ahead of the curve this time a year or two behind the curve. And then it is punishing his quarterback. Wow, there either must be something in the water, or maybe the bye week is giving all of us a chance to step back and assess things from the proverbial 10,000-foot view or just relax and gain some perspective because I think everyone in here has valid points, and we're all kind of agreeing, which is dangerous, on the Six Rings podcast. Gentlemen, good job in segment number one. Of course, if you would like to follow and get all the information, analysis, and more from the Six Rings podcast, it's at Six Rings Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And, of course, you can follow the boys at Jumbo Heart, at Shime Time, and at Fitzy GFY. And, hey, do us a favor. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends. we got a growing Patriots community full of very knowledgeable knuckleheads who enjoy opinionating, analyzing, and arguing with and for you 24 7 365 all right moving on in this edition the bye week of six rings and football things gentlemen we have been assigned the task uh let's pretend we are in the building right now as bill belichick told us he and the coaches are going to try to fix or at least that they have a lot of work to do they're trying to diagnose the issues and problems of which we think there are a host and plenty especially on the offensive side of the ball so today we're going to play bi-week fix. Each one of us gets to suggest a fix that should be focused on for the New England Patriots during the bye week to improve an aspect of this 2022 team. I put that out to the listenership and the Twitter peoples and got some suggestions. But before that, I would like to throw it around the room. Andy Hart, you're up. Uh, fix the offensive line. <laughs> and I don't know what... It, I'm not paid enough money. Bill Belichick makes reportedly north of $20 million a year. You make the big bucks. You make the tough decisions. Uh, figure out the offensive line. And I do think it's about personnel, execution, fit. You know, get David Andrews healthy. Okay, that's great. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a first step. Get James Ferentz off the field. But I do think there are some questions now as to probably not necessarily who your best five are, but maybe there is a question there with Yadni Kajust in the mix. But I'll where they are. Are you going back to your normal lineup of Trent Brown, Cole Strange, David Andrews, Mike Onwenu, Isaiah Wynn? Do you want a flip-flop win to right guard, bump Onwenu out to right tackle? Is Kajust in the mix and Wynn is a backup? Is Cole Strange benchings the last two weeks? Is that like this break is a breakup? He's now a backup. He's no longer a starting guard. I don't know necessarily the answers, um, but if they don't get better on the offensive line, because Lost in the Mac talk is 
Last game, there were too many tackles for a loss in the running game. And if you're going to continue to do that, an offense that's already scuffling cannot afford to be second and 12, second and 13. Hell, they got the ball on the two-yard line and lost yards on the first play. Like a gift of a short field. You can't get closer. Immediately lost yards. So wait, hold on. We got to we got to go to and and to the to the terms of blocking. It's not always just on run plays or pass plays. Sometimes it's after the pass is completed. Like your favorite stat from last Sunday, Andy, Jonu Smith finished with three catches for twenty one yards. But after his first catch, he had twenty four receiving yards, which means on his final two receiving. Wait, yards, really? Oh yeah, <laughs> he went. It is the most John Smith stat line in history. His he lost three yards yeah. on his final two receptions of the game. Yeah, it's it's they and John Smith was involved in another play. You remember that? I believe it was a draw to Ramondre Stevenson, but um, no one blocked the middle linebacker. And then John was like chasing him down from behind, and you're like, what the hell kind of a play call? It was like an ISO, but an ISO includes a blocker, ISO block. Um, there was no ISO blocker. It's just an ISO between the running back and the unblocked linebacker. And generally in the NFL, that's not going to work out great. You're putting the running back. So that needs to be figured out because before we can start talking about Mac, the play calling, the receivers not getting open, whatever else we want to talk about with the many problems this offense has, they all go back to the offensive line. If you don't figure that out, you're toast. There seems to be a popular call online as well, Andy, for the Trent Brown, Cole Strange, David Andrews, Isaiah Wynn, Mike on Wenyu, flip-flopping those two guys lineup. I'm not sure exactly how many problems that would necessarily solve. Um, you know, we all know Isaiah Wynn's having a terrible year. Cole Strange benched the last two games. David Andrews should be back. Said that he was feeling better last week, but obviously they kept him out so they could give him a longer period to recover from that wicked cheap shot from Mike Pennell, that no good son of a bitch. Uh, so we'll see if the offensive line can right itself uh, with health, uh, some coaching, and maybe a little flip flop ruski Shima, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I, I, I was relatively uh, fair in the first segment. Uh, I believe unfair they need warning, to, unfair warning. More yeah. or less, they need to Hot fix take the, alert. Hot take they alert. Need, they need to fix the quarterbacking. It's straight up. Like I don't. I don't give a rat's behind if it's Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. You just need to figure it out. Like, you need to figure out the quarterback in one way or another. There are teams across the league who have figured it out with bad offensive lines, at least a little bit, to make them manageable, to make them be able to do something. You saw Joe Burrow get to a Super Bowl getting sacked 50 times last year. Justin mm -hmm. Fields has turned into a superstar with one of the worst offensive lines in football. Like, this Ooh. is – you're um. you, like – it, it, you need to figure out the quarterback one way or another. I don't care if it's Mac Jones. I don't care if it's Bailey Zappi because personally, I don't think either guy's the guy. They're not going to be your long-term solution. So for this year, you need to figure it out. Pick one, ride with them, and then figure out your philosophy going forward and play to their strengths. Stop doing all this other stuff and just play to their strengths because that's the only way you're going to actually get any offense going and actually win any football games. Shime, if I asked you. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah. You mentioned two opportunities to, to have a successful offense without a good offensive line, but I would say one of them had elite talent at receiver. Fair. One of them uh, had yeah. at least elite talent below his waist in his own feet. Also fair. Um, mm -hmm. You drafted a pocket passer and you don't have a pocket. <laughs> That's a problem. Like I, like I don't, I so I don't disagree. But there are, are ways to scheme up um, 
around that, right? Quicker pass yes. plays. Uh, uh, like, that's going to dovetail nicely into. That's going to dovetail though. nicely into mine. That's going to play nicely into mine. Shime, keep going, please. But yeah, so I, I I understand the offensive line is bad. You didn't make any trades at the trade deadline. You can't really change that now, unfortunately, either until the end of the season. And so you need to figure out which quarterback is the best for your team and play to their strengths and start speeding things up. That way, the collapsing pocket that you, the pocket that you don't have, you don't have to worry about because the ball's out. That's kind of the play. Uh, Shime, I just wanted to ask you, where do you think the New England Patriots rank overall offensively in the NFL right now? Out of 32. Out of 32, I would say 26. Wow. Very close. 24th. Overall, they are 24th in the NFL in offense, which is unacceptable. Um, and here are the two things that need to be, uh, I have a, I'll, I'll be honest. I just have a shitload of things. I think they need to work on during the bye week, uh, offensively, especially they are tied for dead last with another team. That would be the Indianapolis Colts, the Colts and the Patriots Sunday. Little did we realize we were watching a turnover off. That's right. The Colts and the Patriots have given away the ball the most. And that's why both offenses were putrid and impossible to watch. It was a turtle orgy out there on Sunday. Patriots having 26 points was so insanely deceptive. One touchdown came off of a punt. The other one came off of a pick six. We basically watched 12 to three. So that was Nick. That was Nick Folk to chase McLaughlin. Nick Folk was four times better. Like that's how bad that was. If there's one thing you don't need to change about this team, it's Nick F and Folk. Oh continue. no. I'm, my God. God Nailed. bless that man. Big the kick best. Nick. 14. Like that Zach Cox tweet from Sunday was like, so freaking jarring that what was it the um uh he has oh, 29 over the, two, over the last two weeks uh points scored by nick folk 29 points scored by mac jones 12 what the heck what are we doing what the f uh are we doing uh also the patriots right now lighthouse? can we address that fact what's that do you live next to like a lighthouse with a spinning light? You go light, dark, light. Oh dark. no! It, the sun is setting next to uh, next to us, and then it just went down behind. I mean, because you know, Andy, I'm not sure if you know this. Uh, it gets dark at quarter after three in the afternoon now, and it just went behind this house, and I went to dark, so I had to turn on my influencer oh, light. Because it to went make like this. dark, and then light, and then dark again, and I was like, I know the sun is setting, but did it come back up for a minute? It didn't really want it to set. Actually, if it went dark, then light, then dark again, it's kind of like talking to you on a podcast or the post game show. So, or like go. talking to to Shime about the quarterback position. I don't <laughs> no, know that's just knows. that's just straight dark the whole time. <laughs> How many times did he say whether it's Mac or Zappy? Who mm. still thinks it's Zappy other than Shime? I'm just saying it could be. Yeah, not saying uh, it has to be. And I could also, be the winner in the billionaire uh, Powerball drawing. At and, least when and, Bailey Zappy was in the was was in the game, he didn't look like he uh, was staring at people with seven heads. No, well, he, he was, was actually just hitting people in the back of the head. That's all because he's yep. five, he's four foot seven. Uh, someone <laughs> did win the Powerball. No, they live in LA, which is too bad. Uh, also, uh, the Patriots' red zone efficiency—it's uh, oh. terrible. It's 29th. They need to get horrendous better at that as well. Uh, my major one, though, uh, dovetailing like I said off you, Shime. They need to fix everything you boys mentioned and the stuff that I just quickly brought to light. But they have to fix the play calling, Shime. You're right. Like the play calling for now. They need to call plays Mac Jones is comfortable running. They need to call plays that deal with the fact that their offensive line hasn't been healthy. Pockets are collapsing and they're going up against good defensive fronts. They need to call plays where Mac Jones isn't staring into that proverbial abyss. 
Stare and a question I would like to ask lost and they need to go tempo more often because again, I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Mm -hmm. He always mm -hmm. looks more comfortable when he steps back three steps, quick read fake, a little RPO, a little fake. Boom, boom, dink, dunk. I don't care if it takes 14 plays to matriculate your way down the field and get a shot at six points. Do it. Do what's in the best interest of your football team, and that's scoring the effing ball. And a question mm. I would ask that, that that's to your point, hasn't Belichick always said that, like, we game plan for our opponents? Oh, like, yeah. what? Like, Matt Patricia is not Kyle Shanahan. So when it comes to his offense, his offense should be tailored around your player strengths and how to beat your opponent, not – some game plan that Matt Patricia has schemed up before the season that he thinks is some genius way to matriculate the ball down the field. Yes. Um, I'm still not sure they're totally uh, in on what their strengths are or honest and aware Fair. of what their strengths are. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Good and point. then I would push back a little bit on, I think they need to mix tempo in every game. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can go to it too often because Agreed. That will break the one good thing you have on this team, and that's your defense. Because when you go three and out in 38 seconds or something ridiculously asinine, your defense will get killed and worn down. And then we'll be wondering, hey, how come Judon sucked over the second half? Of the oh, well, because you had him back out on the field without any rest all the time. Like that, pick your spots. I do think you need to pick your spots mm -hmm. with the tempo. But if you go too too far that direction, I think it could hurt you. And I yeah, think not I, full tempo. Yeah, mix it in, Andy. Yes. I, I also think that there's like there's a difference too between tempo of the offensive drive and speed of the play, right? So you can take your time getting set at the line, you know, setting your protections, whatever, but they need to kind of go to similar to what Miami did with Tua at first, which were those quick passes, like right at the line of scrimmage, those quick slants, the Read option. It's put it in the running back's belly. Are you going to give it to Ramondre or is the receiver going to be open on the slant and either pull it and throw it or give it to the back? Like quick things like that, that it's there's two options. Mac Jones can process it quickly because that's what I'm told he's very good at. So he makes that processing choice. He makes the decision and you go and it's you, you need to stop taking out. You need to stop relying on these like shotgun drop back. Let me work through four progressions. A, you don't have time in the pocket. B, it's not what Mac Jones is good at. C, you don't have the receivers to pull it off. See, I also Couldn't think agree. that's a question agree with, more. with everything is the receivers. Like, I, I've said for a while now, like, confidence, trust issues that are pointing in a lot of directions with this offense for Mac, the coaches, the offensive line, like, all of that. And I also think some of it is Jacoby Myers is his best receiver, his most consistent best receiver. Mm -hmm. He doesn't necessarily, he is certainly not in the Edelman mold of, I know for a fact in 1.9 seconds, he'll be open on the yeah. quick slant. Like, so I even think there's some of that. Like, if you want to go quick with Mac, who is the guy you trust to get open that quickly? Or is it purely a matchup thing, a defense thing? And then again, that's putting a lot of pressure on a guy that we admit right now might not be ready for that pressure. Like, at his best, do I think Mac is a, pocket passer, make good reads, good decisions, yes. But we have already decided he's not at his best right now mentally, confidence-wise. Right. So it sounds good, and I love it. And if you actually add it, it's, it's one of the reasons I think Fitzy and I brought up the idea, and Andy Gresh is very much on board, of Marcus Jones getting a look. Yes. Because I think you could use a little quick offensive weapon that might actually benefit Mac in this – you know, jitterbug or like 
guy that can get open quick. Now, he, it could go horribly wrong because he's not really a receiver all the time. So I'm not saying it's the be-all, end-all. But, but he was awful good at it in college whenever they gave him a chance at the University correct. of Houston. And, you know, the whole the old cliche is like, ah, oh, that guy's so quick and get open in a phone booth. Like, he could. He, he looks like he has that burst, twitch, and lateral movement to get open in one of those fancy – uh hotel glass elevators like he's got the moves like and what what do you have to lose yes i understand right now he's currently leading the nfl in punt return average at 24.9 which is damn impressive considering he's only played a couple games but he's got it real quick just to read a couple from uh the tweet machine that people shared uh the o-line hopefully andrews returns but the o-line needs to get much more solid and consistent ball security is job security less drops fewer turnovers you can't win the game if you don't win the turnover battle. Please officially announce Brian Hoyer as the assistant offensive coordinator. Um, <laughs> uh, I always feel from uh, Pierce Ryan 78. I always feel foolish saying this stuff, but more shotgun with Janu in the backfield. I feel like from the formation, you can create mismatches against aggressive defenses because we ain't doing it now. Uh, someone at Olive Garden 69 <laughs> 69, which is beat me to that handle. I would I like, like to the see Red them fix. <laughs> I'd like to see them fix Joe. Um, and also some calls for more play action. And please go with the Brown Strange Andrews win on when you offensive line formation. Those are just some of the suggestions that came in from you, the listeners to the Six Rings podcast. Thank you, guys. You can also always make suggestions for the mailbag edition we do every Wednesday. That's released on Thursdays at Six Rings Pod at Fitzy GFY. One more segment, the final segment, everybody's favorite segment. That would be Pat's Paris. Yeah, you know me. Everybody loves a little Pat's Paris. Uh, today, we've just got a veritable grab bag of Patriots and NFL-related items. Uh, first one, gentlemen, your reaction to – well, let's, just, let's look at the division first before we look outside. The New England Patriots are currently on the bye, five and four, so they have a winning record at the bye. That's a good thing. Trending in the right direction for those – nine and eight, 10 and seven ceiling type of crazy predictions for their season win-loss record. They could have a path, as we mentioned on the post-game show Sunday, Andy, to getting and competing for that final wild card slot because I think it's going to be a scrum for slot six and seven after the Dolphins likely secure the number five slot with the way that they're playing and the acquisition they made of Bradley Chubb and Jeff Wilson, the trade deadline. Uh, Patriots still being in the cellar at five and four when five and four would put them in second place or even first place in other divisions is just so quintessentially 2022. Do you gentlemen think that with the way the Jets defense played against the Bills, with the way Miami won after it at the trade deadline, and with Josh Allen possibly having the Tommy John ligament injury, the UCL ulnar collateral ligament, which could affect uh, his playing time, his ability to throw downfield long term and more? Could the AFC East be in a little bit of a shake it up right now? Yeah, I mean, the AFC East is probably the second best division in football right now. Like the way the teams are playing. I, it, win total wise, it is the second best division in football. And I would say that the teams, though, I mean, I, I think people are still vastly underrating how good Miami is going to be down the stretch. Uh, I, so I, I think they are like legitimate contenders. Um, uh, Buffalo, if Josh Allen is healthy, we all know how good Buffalo is. And this Jets team, I, I understand that, you know, you kicked the crap out of, you know, Zach Wilson two weeks ago, but they're better than 
than anyone would have thought they would be. This defense, that defense is legit. They can play football. Um, so this this division right now is kind of in a chaotic spot. I th- I still think it's the Bills division if Josh Allen's healthy. But man, like Miami's really good, and then the Jets and Patriots aren't as far behind as we may have thought preseason. Yeah, the Josh Allen health status changes everything. AFC yeah. East, AFC Super Bowl, maybe like that is a. Uh, I even you know believe the overall quality of the league gets shaken up because you remove pretty much everybody says, well, there's three good teams in football, the chiefs, the bills, and the Eagles. If you remove one of those, it just muddies the water even more over who's good. Um, they're going to have an interesting game with the jets coming out of the bye. They had an interesting game with the jets a couple of weeks ago where we talked about it. The flag may have changed everything. You may have gotten blown out by the jets. You didn't, you got the win. You had Zach Wilson cockily saying, you know, we'll see them in a couple of weeks with his pads on while chewing gum at the podium. And if he plays the way he played around the Patriots game before and after game manager, make a few plays with my legs, not going to try to make stupid plays, crazy plays, take care of the football. They're dangerous because their defense is good. Um, so it's I excellent. think that's that's interesting. And Miami, I do think, is a team that as long as Tua keeps going, is is likely to play his best football down the stretch with Bradley Chubb and, and the additions and Mike McDaniel getting comfortable. Like, they should only get better. There's no reason to believe oh, yeah, won't get better over the course of the season. And that's scary. Yeah. And they added Jeff Wilson, who's actually yeah. a pretty solid running back. To Might Mostert. take so over now, the starting job. At yeah, point. and so now you've got two fleet-footed uh, wee darts that Mike McDaniel's worked with before back in San Francisco. And the wide receiving combination of of Waddle and Hill is just unguardable. There's like, a chance Tyree Hill a pick has 2,000 yards. 2,000 yards a season. He He's, is already at almost 1,200 yards. He's got, I can't believe to say this. He's actually playing his best football of all time under Tua. Now, I don't think that's because Tua throws a more accurate ball or what. Like Mike McDaniel's just Mike draw, McDaniel's system. He's, he's drawing up the perfect plays for him. He is in, and we, and I talked about it earlier when it comes to, you know, NFL offenses, Mike McDaniel is doing something that NFL offenses haven't done. He's like, okay, everybody wants to do speed to make big plays. Instead, how about I just create a bunch of space? And that's why Tyreek Hill feels like he's wide open on every freaking play. He's and thriving Tua, in that. Yes. All Tua has to do is look between Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle. If one of them are open in space, get him the ball and let them do the work. Like that's it's point and shoot. It's not mm-hmm. that difficult. And that's and Tua is not turning the football over. And as long as he stays healthy, like Miami, they're they're they their offense can compete with anybody. They may have yeah. to be heard from before we make our AFC championship re predictions, if you will, because mm-hmm. they got Tua. after it. Uh they're awfully good, and that offense is dangerous, but it's gonna be fun. Hey, listen, this is all we could yes, of course, we could ask for more dynamic football, more mistake-free football, more interesting games, but 10,000 foot view, we media and fans alike can agree that all we could have asked for is the Patriots having a winning record and a chance at the playoffs to make the second half of the season with those tougher games and a lot of prime timers relevant. So it's a beautiful thing. And the, those Jets, I, I see, I think the Jets are going to make the play. I think the Jets are going to make the playoffs. I really do. Wow. Very. Yeah. Cool. If, if they ask him to just sort of step back and be like the, 52nd most important player or 45th most important, but like defense is dynamite. They got playmakers and that move for James Robinson was wicked smart. Uh, let's see. Do you guys want to talk about, you guys want to make fun of Josh McDaniels or the Indianapolis Colts? 
Colts. Indianapolis Colts. Okay. Absolutely. There is nothing better than the yep. Indianapolis Colts right now to make you smile. Just like the idea of Jeff Saturday getting the job was funny. And then to hear Jim Irsay describe it and step in it left and right, right oh and my left, God. was one of the – when he said, hey, we're in Boston town. We're going to make some big change. Right. Like he, he actually had a Freudian slip that I don't know if he even realizes when he said – you see it when you know it. And it's like he convinced himself Jeff Saturday is good, and he's now seeing somebody who's good, even though it's a terrible, horrific idea. And I actually think Jim Irsay is, is playing us like a fool. I think he's crazy like a fox. I think he's hired Jeff Saturday to do exactly what Jeff Saturday is going to do, lose every game the remainder of the oh, season yeah. with a friendly face, a franchise legend who's tied into the Peyton Manning era, who everybody loves – and it will not sort of ruin the atmosphere around the team. Like he can kind of keep the ship afloat with a smile and press conferences. But his job is to pick as high as possible next April. That's yep. Chip, Chip, Chip. I would I would like to read one quote from Jim Ursay that sums it all up. Thank you. Yeah, I do want it, to do it in your best Ursay, please. Hey, Quentin. <laughs> I wanted a winning coach, but I'm glad he doesn't have any experience. <laughs> I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear in this league because it's tough on coaches. They're afraid and they go to analytics and it gets difficult. He doesn't have that. That one quote, it's just, uh, so you wanted a guy to coach you, from the hunch you and wanted the gut. A winning, you wanted a winning coach, but you also wanted a guy with no experience. Well, that doesn't exist. So first of all, you're an idiot. <laughs> Second of all, he's just like, it's just his, his press conference to me was just – it was pure comedy. And then how it about when he threw him under the bus comedy. and he, he said he was available? You know, yeah. I wanted to be other candidates. You know who's available? Are. People that suck at their job. Or like other people in your organization that were head coaches like Gus Bradley or John Fox. Or you could have gone to Reggie Wayne or, or mm -hmm. uh, Kevin Mayalua. No, how, about, Mayalua? how about Ray Mayalua? Ventrone, who, like Bubba Ventrone, who people think is going to be a head coach one day? Yes. Here's my favorite part. You ready for this? I read this and I, I double checked and I made sure that it wasn't a fake blue check mark and I wasn't getting, you know, screwed again by, Ad, by Adam Schufter or like <laughs> Ian like Rupsheet. You mean like when you Ian announced Rupsheet. that Bill O'Brien was the new head coach at Auburn during I, I, podcast? I said I thought he was. Yeah. That Go back and me. check the tape. I walked that one back already. You guys both Hopefully have plenty of walk. It. You guys have plenty of walk backable takes as well. Let he who was without sin or stupidity cast the first stone. Uh, the play caller for your Indianapolis Colts come oh, yeah. this or next Sunday, whenever they play a football game again, that they are going to lose. I believe it is this Sunday is a man by the name of Parks Frazier. I saw that 30 years he, old, baby. He's 30 years old. He's my age. He's this <laughs> is literally saying Jeff Saturday going, Hey, Sean, come call plays for me on Sunday. What's different. He's like an offensive assistant. This guy like basically hands people. The Microsoft surfaces or like brings down the Polaroids or whatever. That's a towel. Yeah. Yeah. And or yeah, maybe like refills the Gatorade, whatever. Like, I'm sure he has actually like broken down some film, whatever else. But Jeff Saturday comes in and is like, hey, hey, you. Hey, yeah, yeah, you over there. What's your name? Parks. <laughs> Isn't he have a real name? Parks Frazier. Parks so is going to be calling play. He's the play caller Sunday. Like, they're either like at this point Sunday, like, Fans in the fourth quarter, you can also call a play. Simply text 696907.
and your the most popular play call will get run by Parks Frazier. I, no, I mean, they can't let laughing. the fans call a play. They might call a good one. This is all <laughs> a masterful job of tanking. It's tanking. Yep. It's but MLR. Like you tank too late. You already won three games. Don't yeah, hit Andy. I, but that was way too. Know. That was way too many. They've decided it's a mid. It's a midseason, not so sneaky tank. Uh, Andy, it's usually like suck for luck, tank for Tua. Uh, don't ask the crowd. We want. We want Stroud. Or win thrice for Bryce. Yeah, but like Houston, Pittsburgh, Carolina, and the Lions all have less wins than them and aren't going to win games. So that means at best you're getting like the fifth pick. But the Colts are A, not going to win games. They will lose out, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. They will absolutely lose out. I'll bet bet on that. And it's not perfect, but they're trying. And they can trade future picks, right? So if you get the fourth pick, third pick, and you're willing to send next year's pick, you're still going to suck next year. So you two first round picks. No, there's mm-hmm. challenges involved. No question. There. Also, don't discount them. They have good veteran talent on that team. I think they could trade some of their good veteran talent for draft capital that when paired with their pick this year, their pick next year, could get them in the range. I don't know that they'll get the first or second pick, but in that top three range where they're going to have quarterback opportunities, it's, it's really, what about releasing veteran talent now? What about just saying to Steph Gilmore, like, ah, you don't deserve this. We'll give we're just going to release you. I mean, I guess you could do that. It's just like a keeper league where you're not allowed. You know how like you go into fantasy and it says you're not allowed to release this guy. Like the way they have like special yeah. market demarcations yes. next to yep. them. Like you can't, you're restricted. Draft picks. Yeah, I don't restricted. know. They could, but, they could at that point. It's, it is truly remarkable, and it's actually going to be its going to be like their 2011 season when they started, and let's go full circle back to the start of the podcast, when they started Dan Orlovsky as they tried to tank and suck for luck, and they were successful in doing so. All right, guys, last call here in a little potpourri. Uh, NFL is having its best ratings, according to CBS, in seven years. The uh, Tom Brady, wow, that was effing awesome, comeback in the final minute against the Rams who made probably the worst defensive coordinating calls, the worst offensive coordination calls, Cooper Cup with the biggest head scratcher of a play in the NFL. That was a massive ratings juggernaut for Hello Friends and Jim on CBS on Sunday. Do you guys think it's just because ain't nothing else to watch? People are more invested in football than ever. Or Shime, to your point, since I keep saying this season kind of sucks, I think it's a mess and it's not nearly as enjoyable as it has been for me in a long time. Do you think people like the fact that anyone can win anytime and the parody has led to such a shit show? I absolutely love it. I love the state the state of the league right now. I think it's it's so much fun. I'm having a blast. Uh and I think there's certain teams that are more fun than others. Like that Miami Bears game was freaking awesome. I know it was on the same time as the Patriots game, so mm-hmm. not everybody got to watch it. But if you didn't, like, go back and just give that a watch. That was an absolute blast of a football game. Like, there, and you're getting a lot of those. Even the bad teams can compete. Like, we've seen Carolina beat Tampa Bay. We've seen Pittsburgh beat Tampa Bay. We've seen bad teams win. You see the Lions beat the the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers stinks now. That's funny. Like, it's, I, I get it. Like, you know, there's no real one dominant team. I mean, I guess except maybe the Eagles. But, like even still, like I think the Eagles are still fallible. Like I, I think they could still lose. Um, so 
I love the way the league is right now. I just I think that any team can win at any time, uh, and it's it's a blast to watch. Yeah, I mean it's football, so it's always going to be enjoyable to watch. Yeah, but true. I do. I am more on the side of measuring stick teams, measuring stick games, matchups between great teams. And there just haven't been a lot of those. Like this past weekend, it was, you know, you go through the lineup of games and you had to get to Sunday night before you were like, oh, that's a good game, right? Like there were none really over the course of the day because, you know, the Bucks and Rams aren't that good. That was supposed to be a good game. And it was kind of a competitive game. Like it was yeah. close on the scoreboard, late lead change, that whole thing. But you didn't really have any excitement going in because both teams are grossly underachieving as to where there you was nothing exciting until the final minute. Uh, right. Agreed, yeah. gentlemen. There's a little bit of breaking news that I thought would be kind of fun to react to live on Is the pod. Uh, no, it's real this time. I have verified uh, thrice, uh, and no, I'm not interested in Bryce. Uh, here we go. Let's see. I saw this uh, from Tom Pelissero. Uh, according to reports, the Las Vegas Raiders are releasing safety Jonathan Abram, a oh, first-round draft pick from 2019, uh, Ari Myrov at My Sports Update. Uh, the last first, the first round picks from the Raiders from 2019 to 2021 have all been fifth year declined or cut, uh, including Abram, Damon Arnett, Ruggs, Leatherwood, Josh Jacobs, Cleland Farrell. So if he's been released and now goes on waivers, seem to have some real talent. Would this be somebody maybe Bill Belichick would put a claim in on as a developmental project? Uh, because at one point he had so much uh, promise and potential and you know he loves himself a safety that can bring the hammer, Andy? Do we need another safety? I mean, does he play offense? Because if he plays offense, I'll take him. But otherwise, <laughs> how many safeties are we going to put out on the field? Like we, we've talked about it. They have pretty deep, it's <laughs> pretty deep safety position. Um, so no, I'm not sure this makes a lot of sense for the Patriots. I will say it is stamping um, Mayox drafting. He's one of the worst GMs in the history of the game, the way everything played out with contracts with them, draft picks. Um, you know the old saying, those who can't teach? Well, mm -hmm. those who can't be GMs should probably go back to TV and pound the table for players pre-draft. And I think that's why he is now currently a radio analyst and not a general manager of an NFL team. All right, gentlemen, that wraps up this edition of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast. Excellent job. Robust dialogue, hearty discourse, and I love the opinions on top of it all. He's at Jumbo Heart. That guy is at Shime Time. I'm at Fitzy GFY. The Fraud Squad, the Troll Patrol, and the DVOA holes have done their job. You guys do your job by giving us a rating, a review, a subscription. Tell your friends and a follow at Six Rings Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Back tomorrow with a quick edition of the Mailbag Pod. Thursday, we'll do some first-half grades and make some crazy second-half predictions for the Patriots season as well. No post-game show this week as we're on the bye. So we will see you and talk to you post-game show-wise November 20th after the Jets. Thanks for listening. This is the Six Rings Pod. Out. Bye. Ooh.